This week's episode is sponsored by TaxJar. People come to Parachute to work because they're passionate about the brand. They've used our products. They have friends that have used our products. They really believe in what we're building, but they stay because of the people. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. Over the past two years, we have seen the home market explode. And no, I'm not talking about real estate. I'm talking about home decor, home furnishings, all of the nuts and bolts, so to speak, that make a home a home. It's obvious why, right? With the pandemic, everybody was spending more time at home. So, you know, they took that time to make the space a bit more comfortable, a bit more stylish, and honestly, probably just a bit more livable in general, just because we were spending so much time there. But the pandemic aside, Parachute has seen some incredible growth, again, before, during, and after the peak of the pandemic. Why? That's the big question, right? Like, what is driving Parachute's growth? What makes the brand different, unique, and of course, the go-to for their consumers? I tried to get to the bottom of it, and what other person to get answers from than the founder and CEO, Ariel Kay? I loved learning about her background in consumer research and how she kind of used that core, that empathy, and that understanding of her target customer to build Parachute. Of course, she's a consumer herself, so she relied on her insights as well, but needless to say, the research has led to an incredible strategy that includes digital, community, and you guessed it, physical retail. Listen in because it is so interesting to hear how she has built this business and of course what new priorities are on the horizon. Arielle, it's so nice to meet you. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. So you started Parachute in 2014. I have to ask, what was your initial vision for the brand? What value or even change did you hope to provide to the home market? I started Parachute in 2014 after seeing a huge opportunity in the market to provide premium quality home products. After spending many years working in advertising, I have been super passionate about home and design and was helping friends decorate their apartments in New York City and found myself acting as a super consumer in the space. And what I realized was that there was basically no digitally native brands. As far as textiles go, there were a bunch of products that all looked the same, that were not differentiated, not great quality. And I saw this opportunity to enter the home category, the larger category of home through sheets, because you spend a third of your life in bed and it's such an intimate part of your home. And I thought if I could enter this category and build loyalty and trust with the customer, then I could expand and do so much more. And so that was what I did. I love that. I love that you were already so immersed in the space as a consumer, because I feel like usually when you can leverage what you already know and already are passionate about, it's like you can almost connect the dots in terms of what's needed or what's missing in the market that could lead to an opportunity. So to that end, I mean, what has been the most 
fun or even the most challenging part of getting the business going and most of all growing it. So people say that, you know, when you find something you love, work stops being work. (laughs) And certainly for me, I have been so passionate about building this brand. I have seen so clearly since the day that I decided to do this full time, what the opportunity was, just how big of an opportunity it could be. And so I just, I mean, I've been fully consumed with the business since really before we even launched. But I would say that what's fun is getting to create beautiful products. I am so inspired by the textures and the design and being able to build something that I know our customers love and get to use every day and working alongside an incredibly talented and inspiring team. I'm just always learning, always growing. And I think there's nothing better than that. And just about everything has been challenging. I mean, building a business is really hard, but so rewarding. So, you know, we've had a number of challenges in terms of learning about inventory. But I had never worked in retail before. I had never worked in consumer products. I had never built a business before. I was, I'm was i a sole founder. So just about everything was hard. Raising capital was hard. But really this passion, this drive, and this vision that I had and really being so confident that this was a business that the world needed <laughs> kept me going and kept me inspired and brought me right back to build mode when I would get distracted by just the challenges that were kind of seemingly never ending, especially in the early days. That's amazing. So you came into this experience completely new to a lot of things other than your passion for this category, being a consumer yourself and just having this idea, which is incredible. I have to ask, I mean, how did you kind of go the next layer down into building your business strategy or even determining, you know, the products you wanted to sell, right? Because I feel like there needs to be this like understanding of what the consumer wants, what's happening in terms of broader trends. Like there's that data component, right? And again, you have your firsthand experience as a consumer and what you felt was needed, but how did you turn that into something tangible as you were building out your plan for the business? Sure. So while my background isn't exactly conventional in terms of a traditional background you might see for a founder or CEO. My background was actually in consumer behavior research and understanding data and insights to help brands connect with customers. So that had been what I'd been working on and what I've been doing in advertising. And I really love insight generation. I love understanding the customer, what motivate, what inspires, how to move people, really thinking about how to connect and add true value you in someone's life. And so that was where I came from. I came from this world of being able to understand and see opportunities and and thinking through how to connect with people in a really authentic way. And so I saw this opportunity, wanted to be really focused when I launched, knew that because I didn't have the experience (laughs) that I would have to, that there was gonna be a lot of trial and error. And I also would have to have a network of people around me that could support me and help guide me through a number of these challenges. And so I think I say often that one of my superpowers is being really self-aware about what I'm good at and what I'm not. And so really from the early days, I became somewhat fearless as far as asking for help, reaching out to folks to learn about different parts of the business and, and different business functions so that I could learn and grow. And 
try to circumvent as many mistakes as possible. But today, we still use a ton of consumer data and insights to help us grow and help us think about what new categories we should be moving into, how to connect with our customer, and how to inspire and educate our customer, which is such a big part of what people are looking for in this category. That's fascinating. I love getting a little insight into your background as far as how the consumer research ties into it, the fact that I was always so integral to your way of thinking and it was always a component of your business because, you know, we hear time and time again as far as building a brand, marketing, storytelling, it's that sense of empathy and understanding for your core audience. So it's amazing that that was always built into your approach from the start. And I really loved your point around knowing what you don't know and just making sure you have the right people to support you and also finding ways to always fill those gaps because I feel like there's always something new to learn, right? Especially in retail when there's not only the market dynamics or the new competitors coming up, but also consumer behaviors, which is something I really want to dig into with you because you know, over the course of the pandemic, over the past two years, we've really seen consumer behaviors evolve, not just what they're looking for, but essentially where they are, right? Like we saw home really flourish, you know, demand really skyrocket because people were home. They wanted to build a nice space, whether it be to learn, to live, or to work. So how did these factors influence or even reaffirm your goals as founder and CEO of Parachute as someone who is building a home brand? Yeah, so you're right. You know, we, the past two years, everyone's been home um, and spending a lot more time at home than I think we ever would have expected to. And home really became this center of activity. Our homes were working on overdrive, being place of work, our place for for relaxing, our place for learning, for exercising, entertainment, all of the things, childcare. I mean, there's so much that was happening within the four walls of our home that normally we would outsource or, or look to do outside of the home. And so we definitely saw and benefited from this acceleration and this focus of people spending more time at home, wanting to refresh their homes, thinking about quality within the home and wanting to really invest in their home. And so, and then we also benefited from the shift online because for many months, retail stores were closed, um, which also impacted our business because we do have a number of retail stores. And so we were positioned in a rather good way to be able to support our customers and support people as they were navigating these changes. And so in terms of our brand, I mean, we, we thought about products that we could pull up or introduce or accelerate so that we could again, just help our customers as they were transitioning into this new lifestyle. But I've seen this trend of home being so important, and especially with our customers as they're moving through these life stages and buying homes and investing in their home and putting a lot of their income towards building their communities at home. And so if anything, it gave me more conviction that what we're building is is really important as a more modern brand that thinks about how to connect with customers in a way that I think is new for the category. This is a category where most of the larger players have been around for so many years. There hasn't been a, been a huge entrant in 40 to 60 years. So we have this advantage of being really 
modern forward thinking and, and technology focused. And that certainly helped us create a great end-to-end experience. But we also launched things like Chat with a Stylist so that we could connect with our customers who were used to and accustomed to going into retail stores. And there was a lot of things. We launched buy online, pick up in store for those who wanted that instant gratification, but maybe weren't comfortable going in stores. So we definitely pushed ourselves to just think about the value add that we can provide for our customers. Fascinating. And it definitely seems like there's no sign of slowing down for you and the parachute brand, which is super exciting. So I do want to get into some of the new developments and of course, your priorities moving forward. The biggest starting point is some of the incredible new hires that you made towards the tail end of 2021. Your first chief commercial officer, a new chief financial officer, and a new chief merchandising officer. So I want to go back to your point earlier around having a really strong team of people to add expertise and value in ways, you know, that others in the organization may not have something new to bring to the table to bring the business to the next level. So what kind of skills or competencies did you think were really key, especially looking at this, like through the lens of your growth goals, like where you wanted the brand to go or where you plan for the brand to go in the future? Sure. So we're at this very exciting inflection point as a business where we've really hit a level of scale that is so awesome. (laughs) And one of the things that we were looking to do is to bring on some incredible hires and incredible leaders who have built companies at scale and have taken companies through this exciting growth phase that we're on. We always look for people that share our core values, that believe in brand, that prioritize brand over anything and everything, because that's so important to us. I think having that clear point of view around brand and the customer experience, it takes a specific type of person to prioritize that over potentially a margin improvement or a discount strategy that can just drive growth. But we looked for people that have experience managing large and diverse teams and have set up companies for profitable growth, as well as expertise in retail and leadership. And so we've been thrilled with these hires. And feel super lucky that I get to work alongside our chief commercial officer and our CFO and our chief merchandising officer and the rest of our leadership team. We've also, over the past two years, have expanded our ability to recruit by becoming kind of a more hybrid model. And so we've been able to look beyond the Los Angeles area for top talent. And and that's also been great for us. So, you know, we're excited to have more insight and knowledge and expertise around the table as we continue to grow and expand our retail footprint and expand our product assortment and complicate our supply chain and think about what comes next. That's amazing. From marketplaces to social selling, the opportunities for e-commerce retailers to grow their business has never been better. But selling on more platforms and in more regions means increasingly complex sales tax requirements. TaxShar automates the entire sales tax compliance lifecycle for retailers, including real-time calculations, multi-channel reporting, nexus calculations, and automated filling. They simplify your sales tax so you can focus on the important stuff, like developing great products and attracting customers. Visit TaxShar.com to learn how we can help. I want to double-click into your point 
around recruitment. I think a lot of companies are leading into this new way of thinking about work, the new way of embracing a more hybrid model or more flexible model, because it really does open your eyes to a whole new world of opportunity, a whole new world of talent that maybe historically companies have overlooked because, you know, they can't come to the office. But beyond that, I mean, as far as the roles or skills that you're looking to add to your business, what are you kind of prioritizing in terms of talent and how are you kind of creating that culture that drives retention and drives loyalty? Because I know there are a lot of retail businesses, a lot of brands that are thinking about, okay, how do we not just provide the bare bones, so to speak, of financial support, healthcare, et cetera, and really make this a great place to work. How are you thinking about that right now? Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, we do a lot of surveying of our team as a way to get feedback from our team members and be able to understand what they want to see more of, less of, what they care about. It's one of our many retention strategies is always making sure that we're gathering that information so we can push ourselves to evolve as a business and and remain a best-in-class employer and think about growth and just how we're fostering connection. And so consistently for so many years, what we've heard is, and this is, I'm sure, similar to other consumer brands, but people come to Parachute to work because they're passionate about the brand. They've used our products. They have friends that have used our products. They really believe in what we're building, but they stay because of the people and the people and the collaboration and the way that we work together and support each other and the emphasis on growth and management training and leadership and the way that we invest in our team and each other and prioritize that is something that has been what we've consistently heard has has made people really happy and has kept people at the organization. And so in this new world of remote work, we've had to really think about what that means and how we can continue to build and foster connection. There are so many people on our team today who've been hired in the past two years who have never met each other. And it's just a wild experience after building company for so long and never even kind of thinking about what remote work could look like. It just wasn't even something that we'd ever considered. So we are actually hosting our first ever company two-day event in June. And that will be the first time that a number of our folks get to meet each other, which is super exciting. But there's a lot that we're thinking about in terms of how we can facilitate connection outside of just a Zoom meeting. And whether it's at a department level or cross-functional, we do a lot of task forces so people get to work with each other outside of their day-to-day team and learn new skills and, and be part of new growth initiatives. And I mean, there are countless things. It's something that I spend a lot of time thinking about is how to maintain the parachute culture that people love in this new hybrid remote world. That's great that you're thinking about those new opportunities, though, for people to connect and get together and know that those offsite experiences or team meetings where people from all over the country or in some cases all over the world can come together, it kind of unlocks this deeper level of connection. I mean, technology empowers us to do so much from anywhere, which is great, but there's something about being in the same room in the same space and discussing big ideas like where the brand is going that that kind of gets people excited and engaged, which is great. So obviously, as you think about your growth, the vision for Parachute moving forward, I know that 
Stores are a big part of that. I believe the, the plan is to have 30 stores by the end of 2022. Obviously, this is something that we're hearing more of, you know, across the D2C world, so to speak, that online can only do so much. It's great for getting started and scaling, but there's something about that physical presence, that physical experience that really brings that growth and that consumer connection to the next level. So I would love to hear from you. I mean, when did you have that moment of like, yes, we do want stores. We do need a store presence or store experience to reach our consumer and add that extra value that you were talking about earlier. So I always knew that retail was going to be part of our strategy. When I was getting ready to launch Parachute, I knew that historically this was a category that 90% of purchases were being made offline. I also knew there was such a huge opportunity to improve that experience because we've all been in these big box retailers and stared at kind of floor to ceiling height shelves with stacks and stacks of sheets that all look the same and are packaged the same and really have no differentiating factors and wish that there was a better experience. So it was certainly part of what I was hoping to evolve by launching Parachute. But in an effort to be where our customers are, retail always made a lot of sense. And to be able to to provide a shopping experience that is best suited for our different types of customers. Our products are so tactile and there's so much that comes to life when you see them in person. I also, as someone who's got a background in consumer behavior research and insights, there's something that just is magical that happens when you get to connect with a brand in real life. And um, that's just different from that digital experience. And so we have always believed that retail would be a critical part of our growth plan and strategy in 2016. We opened our first store about two years after launching. We had done some weekend pop-ups and shopping shops and things like that to test what a retail experience could look and feel like and, and just find ways to connect with the customer. But but yeah, we are going to have 30 open by the end of this year. We're at 17 today, so we've, we've got a lot of work to do. But we really believe in the experiential experience of retail and the relationship that you build in, a, in that store. Our retail stores are profitable and they're a really strong business driver for us. And they also have this incredible halo effect on our e-commerce business when we open stores in new markets. But it's really an opportunity for us to build a deep relationship with the customer, for them to learn about the brand, to learn about our assortment and see all of our products. So we are really bullish on retail. <laughs> well, it's good that it was always part of the plan, right? Because I feel like anytime we see coverage around quote unquote digitally native D2C brands, right? It's, it's always like part of the power of the business is that they're digital first and super agile, fast moving. But then it's like there's always an eventual moment where they say, oh, wait, but we need retail. How are we going to do that? So it's great that you always had in the back of your mind, given the category that a physical experience was critical to that consumer connection. But were there any challenges as you made that transition or started to open source? I mean, I guess maybe even now as you're starting to scale your physical retail presence and strategy, are, are there any challenges that you personally or you collectively as a business are navigating right now? Oh, I mean, there are so many operational complexities with opening retail stores. It's part of why we brought on our chief commercial officer and we're building out our retail team very quickly as we speak. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a different experience and it's a different 
business model and it requires different inventory protocols and different processes. And there's also a huge team um, that works in retail and and making sure that they feel connected to the HQ experience and, and the brand. And yeah, there's, I mean, there's countless challenges, but we really do believe that that omni-channel mix is, is going to be key to our success and the way that we can create really just this incredible experience for the customer that is rather seamless as people shop online and move into store and they really do help enrich this customer experience. And like I said, they're profitable and, you know, allowing people to interact and touch and feel and get a better sense of who we are and what the difference of our fabrics, what that looks like. And yeah, so there, I mean, there's just so much good that's happening very much outweighs all the challenges, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe ask me that question after we have 30 of <laughs> <laughs> a different answer. I will. I will plan to circle back once we hit that, <laughs> that 30 star miles. And I'm sure you'll have plenty of lessons for all the folks that are going through a very similar journey. Yeah. And I will say our last two store openings have been this most seamless openings. I mean, we've learned so much over the past many years and actually this year opening many stores consecutively and having a real store opening team and just really thinking about how we go from this plain box to a parachute store and what it takes. We've gotten so much better at it and it's been really it's been really fun to see the team own that process in such an incredible way. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, with anything, right, there's always that process of learning, improving, building your team and uncovering probably what new skills or areas of expertise you need to bring that that store experience or bring that scale to the next level, which kind of ties to a question I had for you about product. You know, you're expanding further into different categories. You're going to furniture. You're also making some sustainability commitments that will impact, you know, sourcing and product development, circularity. So, I mean, you're going through an evolution through a lot of different avenues in your business, which is super exciting. But I mean, for the, for the product side specifically, what are you most excited about and which of these new priorities will have the biggest influence on the brand's direction moving forward? Yeah, so sustainability is certainly a big focus for us. I mean, we've had a sustainable mindset since launch and there's a lot that we've done along the way, but we are really leveling that up and and being more vocal about our commitments and our priorities and and how that will impact the brand and and our communities. So we recently became climate neutral certified, which is really exciting. And we are going to continue to talk about that. Um, But we also are thinking about our product, like you mentioned, and how we can make more, make some headways um, with our sustainability initiatives in terms of our physical product um, and how that impacts our communities and the earth, (laughs) which is so important. So we're working on transitioning all of our products to 100% organic cotton. We just launched a recycled down pillow this week, which is made of sanitized down from returned pillows, which is really exciting. And like you mentioned, there's more that we're going to continue to do as far as circularity programs go. We have got certifications and Ocotech certified products and all of our down is responsible. And these are standards ethical manufacturing. There's a lot of DEI initiatives. We seek to operate as a business with the highest integrity and and that translates into many initiatives and processes both internally and externally. 
So amazing. So as we close up our time together, Ariel, thank you again so much for taking the time to share a little bit of insight into the business, you know, your priorities, you know, what you're focusing on. I do want to ask you about goals because, you know, as we've been discussing throughout this entire conversation together, there's always something new and exciting to explore as a founder, as a CEO. What are your biggest goals for, let's say, like the next two years, right? I mean, where do you hope Parachute will be within this time? What level, I guess, do you hope to bring the business to? Sure. So the parts of the business that I really remain focused on is really the customer experience. So the end-to-end experience with the customer, we're investing in technology and our digital platform and retail, thinking about the ever-evolving consumer lifestyle trends and shopping behaviors. I'm also very close to our product and our product innovation. And we were introducing a number of new categories and products and building towards the goal of, of really being able to provide a whole parachute home for our customer. And then also, like I mentioned with sustainability, there's a lot that we're thinking about in terms of our materials and, and how we are positioning ourselves as just this premium quality brand and, and our relationship with our suppliers and how that continues to evolve and deepen. But we are in growth mode. So there's a lot of big growth initiatives, retail. We expanded into Canada, which was our first international market last year. There's a lot of collaborations and opportunities for us ahead that I'm very excited to share as they come. But yeah, we're rowing and and looking to continue to accelerate that growth, all while, of course, being focused on providing the best possible experience and products for the customer. That's great. And obviously, digital is a big part of how you'll be reaching your consumers, growing your business. Are there any particular trends that you're watching or, you know, considering looking into that get you, I guess, excited about the future of digital in particular? It's a good question. I mean, we are always keeping our eye on trends and around storytelling and how we can just connect with the customer. I'm excited about our focus on interior designers and building out our relationship with the interior design community. This week, we launched a collaboration with a wonderful interior designer whose name is Jake Arnold. And it's just been really fun to get closer than trade community interior designers and, and work with those folks who are experts within this category. And so, you know, we're excited about that and continuing to work with more interior designers in the future. That's great. I think that combination of instant access to information through digital and that community component is so fascinating and definitely an area to watch. So can't wait to see what comes out of all the great things that you're doing there. But for now, Ariel, thank you again so much for taking the time out. It was a fascinating conversation and I'm sure our audience got some valuable insights and pointers along the way as well. Thank you again so much for taking the time. My pleasure. And to all of you, if you have any follow-up questions for us based on today's conversation, we'd love to hear from you. As you know, we are on social media at our touch points on Twitter or at Retail Touch Points on LinkedIn. Let's keep the conversation going. We'll, we'll be sure to share any thoughts, opinions, insights along the way. And of course, if you liked what you heard on today's episode, we would love to hear from you there as well. Leave a rating or review on your preferred podcast player. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, frankly, anywhere else. We're likely there. Spread the good word and uh, tell all of your friends. Thanks again, everyone. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.